0: THE HOUSE, THE LIGHT, AND THE MAN By Gordon Philip England From Weird Tales, June 1925 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Read by Dale Grothman THE HOUSE, THE LIGHT, AND THE MAN By Gordon Philip England The house sits back some distance from the highway. All else around is pleasing to the view, but this dark, grim building is a blot on the landscape. Encircled by a tall, ragged hedge which conceals the lower part of the building from the eye of passers-by, it seems almost like a portion of another world, and has little in common with the neighboring dwellings. People going by glance up, at the gloomy edifice with feelings akin to terror then hurry on after turning the curve in the road beyond they breathe a sigh of relief feeling as a prisoner freed from captivity might feel that is during daytime at night few pedestrians are daring enough to pass that dwelling even motorists when realizing they have reached its vicinity Nervously increase their speed and sweeping by in a swirl of dust leave the gloomy pile far behind Yet few can pass without first turning their eyes toward a narrow window near the top of the building For from that window gleams the light and they know that in the room behind the casement is a man who fears the dark They know the light is always there during hours of darkness And will doubtless always be there while the man lives Once it happened some weeks after the man had come the light went out And even yet though that is fifteen years ago Dwellers in nearby houses shudder when they remember the sounds that were heard on that occasion the unearthly shrieks the piercing cries of utter anguish the screams of direst terror all these ring in their ears as they recall that evening and nightly before retiring they pray that the light may not go out their prayers have been mercifully answered for when the first shadows of twilight begin to fall the light also appears to burn with steady undiminished power until darkness is past It has never gone out again, and probably never will, until the man dies. Then, and not until then, it will be extinguished. Gibson Jenkins pressed the elevator bell impatiently. He glanced down the shaft expectantly. But the elevator did not appear. He waited several minutes. Still, it did not come. Jenkins was much annoyed. He had now been waiting nearly ten minutes Ten minutes seems a long time to a man who is in a hurry It was the first time Gibson Jenkins had ever been in this department store He had gone to see the manager that afternoon to transact an item of business While they had been discussing terms the telephone had rung and after taking a message the manager had gone out telling Jenkins he would be back within five minutes. Five minutes had lengthened into a half-hour, but the manager had not returned. Had Jenkins but known it, there had been excellent reason for his non-appearance. While attempting to cross the street ahead of traffic, he had been knocked down by a motor-car, and was now in an ambulance, en route to a repair shop. Jenkins, of course, was unaware of this, However, he had decided not to wait longer and was now standing peering down the elevator shaft muttering anathemas against managers and elevator boys alike After ringing several more times he suddenly remembered that the closing whistle had blown several minutes before and Realized the elevator boy had left the building He also remembered having seen a flight of stairs at the other end of the corridor So he went back to look for them It was growing dark inside the building Jenkins noticed this and glanced at his watch nervously It was exactly 15 minutes past six Jenkins disliked darkness and had no desire to remain in the store longer Hurrying to the stairway. He commenced the descent hastily Haste is not always expedient jenkins was too hasty consequently his foot slipped he lost his balance and plunged downward his head struck the bottom step rather forcibly and the step being composed of cement he immediately lost interest in his surroundings gibson jenkins opened his eyes wonderingly he was much dazed and some minutes elapsed before he could recall what had occurred It had been twilight when he had fallen, but it was now very dark. He could not remember ever having been in so dark a place before. Slowly he sat up and looked around, but it was too dark to see anything. The only thing he could discover was that he was at the bottom of the flight. Drawing his luminous faced watch from his pocket, he tried to ascertain the time of night. It was exactly fifteen minutes past six this perplexed him it had been fifteen minutes past six when he had fallen hadn't it how then could it be the same time now he puzzled over the matter for quite a while without arriving at a satisfactory conclusion then a thought leaked through into his slowly clearing brain and holding the watch to his ear he listened yes it had stopped Jenkins pressed tremulous hands against his throbbing temple How long have I been lying here? He wondered aloud As if in answer to his question a big clock somewhere in the building began to chime the hour one two three four five six seven eight nine ten Eleven Jenkins struggled to his feet eleven o'clock he had been unconscious nearly five hours he began to grope his way up the stairs he was very weak but a plan had formulated within his mind he would go back to the manager's office and telephone for help but on reaching the top of the stairs he stood bewildered he had forgotten in which direction the office lay after a moment though he struck blindly through the intense darkness toward where he thought the room ought to be having walked several feet he humped against a wall turning he walked in the opposite direction hands before him seeking for the office door but it was his head that struck it finally not his hands struck with such force that the door swung open and stumbling through the aperture jenkins fell upon hands and knees on the floor within rising painfully he groped for the telephone but though he knocked against other objects in the room the telephone itself eluded him Jenkins now was becoming frightened he was naturally a timid man and the events of the night had not increased his courage he tried again to locate the telephone but still without success then he searched his pockets for a match and to his surprise For he was not in the habit of carrying them. He found a solitary Lucifer He lit it and looked eagerly about him And then the match fell from his palsied fingers to the floor flickered and went out Gibson Jenkins had seen enough In fact he had seen too much He was not in the office after all he was in a room full of coffins With a horrified exclamation, Jenkins dashed for the door. And for a second time that night, haste proved his undoing, for he ran directly against it, and it slammed shut. Frantically, Jenkins searched for a doorknob. Finally, finding it, he tried to pull the door open. To his horror, it resisted his effort. He pulled harder, exerting every iota of his strength, but the door remained fast it was equipped with a spring lock in the corner of the coffin room crouched Gibson Jenkins he was shivering from head to foot like a man with an ague cold sweat broke out on his forehead and trickled slowly down his cheeks it was no longer utterly dark in the room the moon had come up and her pale rays streaming through a window partly illuminated the coffin chamber Jenkins could make out indistinctly the dim shapes of the coffins around him Which were piled one upon another to a height of several feet Jenkins was not looking at these however so much as at a large coffin in the middle of the floor at the opposite side of the room Upon this one his attention was riveted He felt that in this coffin lay danger He seemed to sense another presence in the room he could not see it, yet he was nevertheless positive it was there. And he was also sure it was the big coffin which contained that dangerous presence. So he squatted huddled in a shaking, shuddering heap, with frightened eyes fixed upon the casket. He remembered many things while crouched there. Remembered how he had once laughed at a friend who had related a supernatural experience. And how that friend had warned him telling him spirits often punish those who dared disbelieve in them He remembered too the other ghost stories. He had been told and had read and at the remembrance. He shuddered more than before And he watched the coffin with a feeling that the thing contained therein was watching him also and was noting his every motion At the thought he shrank further into his corner seeking to escape its gaze Yet still it seemed following him Now to his horror Jenkins began to feel a desire to go over to the coffin He thrust back the desire, but still it gripped him His body and will were struggling for mastery and body triumphed He began to move toward the coffin He tried to hold back his body, but still it advanced Nearer and nearer he glided to that dreadful presence again the big clock struck one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve it was midnight the sound appeared to paralyze gibson jenkins he no longer moved in the direction of the coffin instead he squatted stock still in the middle of the chamber then to his consternation the lid of the coffin began to rise higher and higher it rose until at last the wretched man beheld a form leaving the casket and then shriek after shriek re-echoed through the old building in the morning attracted by strange sounds emanating from the coffin room some employees opened the door. There, squatted upon the floor, rocking back and forth, mouthing and gibbering inarticulately, was a white-haired, old-looking man, whom none of them recognized. Later, however, they discovered the name Gibson Jenkins, on a calling card in his pockets. A few days afterward, the manager, after leaving the hospital, positively identified him. When the employees found him he was facing a big coffin lying in the center of the room the lid of the coffin had been raised and the casket was empty a window at one end of the room was unlocked and open it was only a ten foot drop to the roof of an adjoining building on the preceding afternoon a thief had scooped several rings and watches from a tray in the jewelry department on the next floor The floor-walker had given chase, but had lost him in the crowd. The detective at the entrance, however, had claimed the man had not passed him. A thorough search of the building revealed nothing, though, so it had been thought the detective had been mistaken. Now the management believed that the thief had not left the building after all, but had concealed himself in the coffin, intending to come out later and obtain other booty. He had remained in the casket several hours, wishing to assure himself that the coast was clear before continuing operations. Then Gibbs and Jenkins had entered the room, and, by locking the door, spoiled the robber's plans. But by making sundry weird noises the burglar had worked upon Jenkins' superstitious nature until he had reduced him to a state of helpless fright. Then, leaving the casket, The thief had made good his escape that was the theory of the management of the department store his physician endeavored to make clear that theory to gibson jenkins but gibson jenkins was totally unable to understand it indeed as gibson jenkins he no longer existed he had now become simply a man who feared the dark A hundred yards back from the road stands a house. It is a strange-looking house, a house which people shun. From the window of that house shines the light. In the room whence the light shines is a man, a man afraid of the dark. The window is barred with rusty iron bars, and the house is a madhouse. The End of the house the light and the man by gordon philip england